0: What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Jobbers Podcast. I'm Cody,
1: and I am Steve Blackman's scriptwriter.
0: <laughs> All right, yeah, okay, they're starting to get a little bit better, but it's still I mean, got that work. one's a
1: little that one's a little attitude era niche. So you know, yeah. if you don't know who the lethal weapon Steve Blackman is, then you're not going to understand what gold I just laid upon. But exactly. You know, Go go do a YouTube search for the lethal weapon and uh, his best promos. Exactly. It'll be a pretty short search.
0: Right. <laughs> but we are excited to bring another episode to you guys. We have another guest on the show. We're excited that he's here. So please help me welcome to the Five Star Drivers podcast, James the Gator Grimm. James, thank you so much for being on the podcast here with us.
2: Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on here, all the way from the Everglades, Florida
0: that's right
2: i had to unfortunately i had to get into a certain area where i actually was able to get a good uh, i guess you call it a cell phone reception area
0: (laughs) right so for those of you that are uh, listening to this right now this is actually being done through a zoom call so this is our first time using zoom and putting it towards the podcast so we're hoping that everything goes smoothly and like i said we may have some interference with reception or whatever it may be but We're still going to have a good time. We're still going to talk about professional wrestling and get to know our guests as well. So we're looking forward to it. So uh, James, we'll start off with a few questions just to get to know you. And now you've told me this story before because I've gotten the chance to get to work with you a little bit at Freedom Force and get to know you a little bit better. But I know John's going to love this story. Can you kind of tell us how you got into uh, professional wrestling?
2: Oh, man. So it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far
0: no <laughs> um, <laughs> all the good ones start that way
2: of course um <laughs> so long story um i don't know how much i can go into details but so basically what happened was is that i was in, in about 2016 uh, i was working at a, a job and one of my uh really really good friends i basically would call him my best friend uh he basically you know sent me a text message saying, hey, you know, did you want to go to a local professional wrestling show? I'm like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> so we go into this building. The way I could describe this building, it was a former, uh, uh, kind of like one of those athletic jams type thing. And they right. turned it into some type of a nightclub. So it, it was it was really strange. And they had this, uh, what you call a low boy wrestling ring which is a still professional wrestling but just sits lower to the ground right and so we bought tickets sat down and we just ultimately fell in love with it we were just like enthralled we kept looking at each other like oh we got to do this we got to do this and so after the show was done amazing show by the amazing guys there um from there we we went and found the promoter And so we were just like, Hey, how do we get into this? How do we do this? And the guy, uh, he just said, well, I'm the trainer and the promoter of this company. If you want to do this, I just had a, you know, I just got a broken nose and we can tell that he has a broken nose. You normally, it would just have a nice, perfect nose. No. This one was like veering off to the right. And it was just like, <laughs> you can tell. Yeah, I, I know what that's like. <laughs> and so he's just, he's straight dead in the eye. He's like, are you guys absolutely want to do this? And yeah, of course we were just like, yes, yes, yes. You know, kind of like two puppy dogs looking at a treat. <laughs> <laughs> and so wow. I was just like, I'm just like, okay, let's do this. Um, So, After a couple of weeks went by and after he got his nose fixed, of course, um, you know, basically he messaged me saying, hey, you know, so I have a place out here. And now, mind you, this is to set up the kind of how this is all going to go down. This is in the middle of November in the great state of
1: Idaho. Now, yeah. Yeah. Uh so, so you weren't wrestling without a shirt on. is that what you're saying?
2: I'm uh, getting close to it, yeah. I, I, I had practically I had uh I had gym shorts, a t shirt, and not really thinking about the elements of outside because it was in a shed out in the field and no no heating, no air conditioning. It was just a regular shed.
1: And oh, so gosh. he had the
2: Oh, yeah. It had the whole entire ring set up. Um, and you can tell that there was already kind of like like the frost on the actual mat itself. Oh, gosh. It, it, and so he was like, okay, we're going to, you know, I'm going to start training you. You are going to do your bumps. You're going to do your rolls. You're going to run the ropes. He put us through the ringer for a solid week every single day we were doing the you know the training exercises everything that was the worst thing in my life i've ever (laughs) experienced
1: and everything what was worse the uh the initial bruises from uh you know taking flatbacks on a obviously very hard surface or just the the frigid cold weather
0: yes yes Yes. all the above yes
2: (laughs) yeah it was it was extremely tough uh every single day he kept asking me do you still want to wrestle do you still want to keep going and i told him yeah i wanted to i wanted to be determined I, i i wanted to do it it wow i yeah i it the Within the first day, after the first day, I immediately went to a local uh, sports shop and I bought knee pads, elbow pads. I made sure that I was more prepared for the next day. Of course, that did not work because it still hurt. Everything hurt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing Um, that a lot of people don't understand, especially people that are just getting used to professional or getting into professional wrestling. I should say they don't understand how tough it is. Just from your first week of training, going into it, because no matter the trainer, you're going to get put through the ringer with taking bumps, running the ropes, and everything. And so, it's not an easy thing to go through. No matter how yeah, many even times if people, you,
1: even if you hit a clean flat back, it's still gonna, it's still gonna sting. Exactly. And when you're brand new to the business, you're not hitting, a, you're not hitting a clean flat back on your first few times. I mean, you're 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 nervous and you're tight, you're tense, and you you don't you know, you're doing something that your body and your brain is telling you're, you're telling your body to do something that is looking back at you saying, no, 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 we're not supposed to do that. that, that exactly. that's the opposite of what we want to do right now. Right. And you mean you know, the guys who are doing it, you know, 300 days a year, it doesn't, it's not like it doesn't hurt. They just build up a tolerant, you know, a higher tolerance of pain. Right. It never, it never stops being, you know, hard on your body and that's yeah i think most people who are not you know fans and don't watch they're you know the very casual professional wrestling fans of you know i've had a lot of conversation with a lot of casual rest- wrestling fans lately and it's it, the the different level of understanding of what professional wrestling is and what professional wrestlers do uh, between the casual wrestling fan and the avid fan is is night and day exactly but yeah uh, and the- Oh no! Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. I was going to
2: say is that the craziest part is is that for for both myself and my best friend when we first started doing it, um, uh, within the first two weeks we were training, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of a gross situation, but he yeah uh, actually hyper extended his knee just Ooh. by yeah just by jumping off the second rope in landing on his feet he hyperextended it and so that's what uh that's what put him on the uh on the bench for for about two two and a half months before he can really start all over again
0: wow that's see and it's simple things like that that can cause little injury if you're if your body's not acclimated to doing that kind of like intense i'd call it a workout just because it is in a way but if your body's not used to that kind of intensity then you're not going to be able to do any like just the simplest stuff like that like i think of the famous injury with uh psycho sid cause... Yep, that's
1: exactly what i was thinking about and that thing exactly. was gnarly i mean I, I remember watching that on live you know monday uh monday night nitro right and oh like i, I don't, like i almost i almost threw up because i mean it looked like his leg was about to come off his body it does it did yeah, it, it was flipping yeah. around.
0: It's crazy. So, in those years of training, right, and even in your career now, what would you say has been your biggest challenge, like throughout your years in professional wrestling?
2: Um, I would definitely say now is just you know trying to keep, uh, you know, just keeping everybody in in the know of hey, there's professional wrestling here. There's there's you know the local professional wrestling group, come here, watch this. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, what they see on TV is, is not just the only product out there. There's ones out there are doing charity events, doing fundraisers, doing, you know, just the normal local show, you know, at your gym. You know, some people just don't realize that. And and they want to see, well, I I want to see the next biggest star. Then go to a you know
1: go to an independent wrestling show. That exactly. is your goal. That's yeah. Your we were actually talking about that on our, our our last episode. We were talking about some of the indies, uh, and you know guys who were in the indies. You know, not ten years ago, who were, you know, mon- you know top of the moniker in the business now. You know, guys like Austin Theory, Keith Lee, Darby Allen. You know, not even ten years ago, those guys were you know unknown indies.
0: Right. And that's where they all start because not everybody that you see on TV immediately got their start on TV. And that's what fans have to understand, especially the casual wrestling fans. Not everybody that you see on TV made it because they were on TV from their very first get go. It took guys a long time before they could even get to that point. And so going to an independent show, you never know. You could be seeing the next Brian Danielson or the next Brock Lesnar or whoever it may be. Like, go, go and support your independent shows. Like well, or just like, it's like live music. You know,
1: it's, you know, nobody nobody in a band makes it, you know, they don't just record and then, you know, somehow get onto Apple music or Spotify. And then the rest is, you know, there's, there's live concerts, there's live shows and, you know, bands, uh, you know, evolve over time and and get sharper and better. And same thing with professional wrestlers and professional wrestling promotions. Uh, You know, there's all kinds of different flavors and styles and yeah, you want to see, you know, People who like to have their, their indie bands and their bands that, you know, oh, you, you know, you, you guys should hear this person. It should be the same thing with professional wrestling where it's, you know, people get excited about any professional wrestlers, you know, and who's going to be the next one, who who makes a big break.
0: Right.
2: Well, you know, it's like, look, look at, um, you know, even the guys that were top guys and then they went back into the independent wrestling, you know, they are full – of information so any you know professional you know if anybody that wants to seek out to be a professional wrestler you know go to the shows help out not only that but my my thing is is that where i was originally from uh which is you know boise idaho uh one of the guys that actually worked in uh the company i was working for at that time he actually ended up being on aew yeah, oh, wow. on AEW Dark. Yeah, and hit yeah, I was training him, you know, helping him take his very first bumps, you know, help him tie down the ropes. And he ended up being on AEW Dark. And that's that's things like that is where you see former, you know, say WWE guys and you go up to them, not only a, you know, one as a fan, but at the same time, you're asking, like, what can I do to make it better on myself what you know as a professional wrestler for me going up to another guy that just came from the higher ups you know you want to you really want to dissect you know what their knowledge is and say hey what do i have uh what do i have that's good what is bad what can i improve that can be better and what i what i like about it is that some guys they change Uh, for example let's look at obviously Cody Rhodes. He left on bad terms with WWE and he went out and he proved himself. He can yep. be the next top guy. And that's the type of people you want to see in the independent wrestling is what are they doing to improve themselves to be back on top?
0: Right. But yeah. I mean, and that's, that's what no, yeah, no, yeah. Go ahead. Go.
2: And that's, something that i've always been you know kind of curious about is, is that what are they changing or how the, can they change to the you know to improve themselves to me it's, it's strange uh is that some guys for some wrestlers you know they they stick with a certain i guess you call it a gimmick or the type of the person that who they are where they got off of that popularity and then and they stuck with it which is great because if they are known for that, stick with it. But evolve with the you know what you're, what, who you are, and what you and what you play. I guess you call it that. Right. Um. You know, for me, if anybody ever saw me the very first time wrestling, I'm a completely different person now than what I
1: was then. very interesting would you say would you i mean and i you know not having actually seen you myself personally just i asked the question so would you say that as you've evolved are you more genuinely yourself you know turned up to that you know level 11 uh spinal tap reference um or you know or or have you just better understood the character that you're that you've put together is it like i say is it more of you coming out in the character or is it just you know as as you build a character and you understand the character more as you're developing it that it becomes you know more finely tuned?
2: I am going to say it's it's both. I've it's personally myself that's cranked up to more of eighty-eight miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I I finally get to really be myself. Um, Not only that, but I it's also evolved the you know, the character that I am. Uh, it was, it's been a, I guess you call it a, it kind of like a, a pet project of, of for myself. And when I was given the opportunity to say, hey, go do this, you're, you know, go, you know, I was given the okay to go where I wanted to go. Then, yeah, I cranked it up to beyond 11 and went for it. And and so I, what you see when I come out of the curtain what you see is literally me it's the real me it's 100 percent it's not it's not something that oh i'm you know i'm just this guy that comes out and you know do you know do my thing no that's that's 110 percent right there you know I, I i i get hurt i get mad i i am extremely happy i you know i like you know the crowd the crowd the crowd is what powers me sometimes especially in a moment where it's like like man i can't you know it's like i can't do this i gotta get up you know it's you know my back is sore or my knees are sore but when they're like really into the moment of of where i'm going then that's like the pain it's like the numbing cessation is gone it's just i just i'm gonna go you know i'm going 88 miles an hour i'm i'm, I'm flash gordon and out and just go
0: i'll be honest i've only seen maybe like a couple of episodes of that but i need to watch it more at some point
1: but so we're, so i got i've got to ask so now you you, you said you're uh you're an idaho boy <laughs> yeah i i was and you're and you're the gator yes so there's a story there and i I gotta hear it
2: absolutely absolutely so uh originally uh yes i i was from boise idaho um you know if if anybody's out there in in podcast land i guess you call it that yeah yeah it came from the the blue turf of of the boise state um but now yeah basically uh long story short I was originally called the Tree City Giant, uh, and what that was is that uh, Boise, which is uh, a French uh, derive from a French word, means la it means the trees. Uh, the The valley of where uh, Boise is and a couple of the towns, is just full of trees, and so I was dubbed named the Tree City Giant. Uh, one of the uh, one of the announcers back there. Uh, way back in the day he kind of gave me that name that nickname and I was like yeah I want to take that and I'm going to run with it uh, that fits mighty perfect but still on the inside it was just kind of like who's you know like still who is the tree seeded giant you know what is he doing who is he you know how does he live and breathe and so forth now you know a couple years ago I moved down here you know, now I'm in the, uh, you know, I moved down here and I was like, okay, you know, I, I've been exploring Florida quite a bit. Uh, and then I finally found myself. I, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to roll with things. And, and so after, after I kind of like finally gave me, you know, well, I was given the opportunity to go ahead and, you know, let go of the tree city giant you know, Monarcher, I guess, or the nickname. I finally let, I was able to let that go. I finally found myself deep, definitely deep in the Everglades because it was kind of like, I guess you call it, it was a coming to moment. You know, it's like nobody understood, you know, what the Tree City Giant was. But then I finally found what I was looking for in the deep of the forest. And so I finally, I finally said, yeah. This is who I am now.
0: Um, and, the, and then the and rest so is and, history. I it.
2: The, literally, the rest is history. And so what you see is now who I truly am.
0: That's amazing. Man. All... And kind of going off of that, you know, you've been doing this for how many years now?
2: Since uh, about 20. Well, I started. Uh, so November of 2015, I debuted in March of 2016.
0: Okay. so So almost 10 years now, I guess you could say, but. Where do you see yourself going from here now? Like, what, what is your plan going forward in your career?
2: Uh, without saying too much about it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I got to keep certain things still in check. But uh, Un- understandable. We must
1: I, always preserve kayfabe. Yeah. yeah of course.
2: <laughs> um, I, let's, let's just say I have a five year plan.
1: Uh, That's
0: awesome. Okay,
2: I have a five-year plan. Uh, kind of. I guess you kind of had to peel back the the curtain a little bit. Um, I I have two kids. Of course, I'm married. Uh, my my lovely wife. Uh, I I absolutely love her. I, her and I, you know, we we've been together since 2004. You know my son's four years old. My daughter's who's going to be two years old here in the next few months, and. Mm-hmm. So you kind of see where I'm going with that about, you know, my five-year plan.
0: Right. Uh,
2: and they, they always say, you know, in, I guess you call it in the business, uh, you know, your next bump could be your last. And, and so, yeah, I do have a five-year plan. Um, but as far as where that plan goes, of course, it can change. But the hardcore of it... Um, I still want to keep working. You know, I, I want to keep working. I want to keep enjoying the things. Uh, I know for a fact that if there's a point where I, my body tells me, no, I know where I'm going to go with it. I know exactly where I'm going to go. It, I'll probably be more, you know, more behind the scenes, I guess. I'll, you know, I guess you call it in the terms I'd be more of a producer maybe Um,
0: right
2: even 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 if i have to sit you know and be security and both my knees are blown out and they're done my back's thrown out and you know if i end up being a wheelchair i still would probably show up to a wrestling show and help out wherever i can because that's it's in my blood now it's you know i don't see you know myself just being like well that's it guys guys i'll just go and stay home and watch tv or sitting on the lake and fish you know, right. i i can't do that it it's a weird habit you know wrestling is a is a is a weird habit you know once you're addicted to it
1: you can't stop it, it it's hard yeah i understand so I, we, we can we can definitely uh, respect that sentiment
0: yeah, for sure. Because I mean, we both have grown up like we've both grown up in different time periods of wrestling. John, more of Attitude Era. Me, more like Ruthless Aggression Era, I guess you could say. But something about it was just the moment that we saw it. It was like we were just captivated with it. It's and it's hard to explain to people that don't watch wrestling because yeah, it's it's not um, something that is very widely celebrated in a way. I guess that's the best way to put it. But there are people that are like huge fans of it. And it's just hard to explain what it is that we just enjoy about it so much.
1: And and going off that, I kind of, I guess going a little bit backwards instead of forwards, but, but uh, going off what Cody just said, I yeah, I'm curious. uh, When did, when was your aha moment with professional wrestling? You told us when you decided to get into business, but when did you become a, when did you become a fan and uh, who are your, you know, who's on your who's on your Mount Rushmore? Or, you know, who who do you attribute with with your love for the business?
2: Oh man. Um that's a good question. That's uh the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. I that's that's a real tough one because I never really thought about it. I, I haven't really What's the first match
1: you remember seeing and, and, and getting, uh, you know, just completely enthralled and and bought in.
2: So it started, uh, long story short, it started when I was a kid. Um, my actual brother, uh, uh, who him and I, we were, we were watching, you know, the late eighties, early nineties wrestling, the macho man, Hulk Hogan, you know, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. Yeah. And and of course, you know, Undertaker and all that. That's when we, when we started seeing it on TV as kids, you know, we started, you know, of course, you know, the whole, uh, the whole entire, Oh, don't try this at home. Of course we were trying at home. (laughs) Everybody did.
1: I did. I did moonsaults off my couch onto the ground, onto my buddies. and and Backflips off the trampoline,
0: everything. Swanton bomb on the trampoline, everything.
1: Yeah, my buddy Ernest would. Uh, he he took quite a few of my bad bumps, <laughs> and uh, I took I took a few of his. Uh, he, he got a little snug uh, every once in a while. But we, you would have thought we were going to tear down the house. We we tried everything at home. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely.
2: I would, you know, if I had to play, a... I have like a kind of like a two versions of the Mount Rushmore, if. If I had to put some, you know, if I had to put like say four guys on the top like that for overall, um, my first one. I know this sounds kind of cliche, but there's a deep thought to it. I would say Undertaker. Uh-huh. The reason being is is because he kept the business where the business needed to be kayfabe. It was. Yep.
0: Yeah. He Agreed. was
2: the living, breathing gimmick style and he he worked hard at it. He made sure that everything was was given to him who he is, you know, kept it straightforward. Um I would say one of the more interesting, like a heel wise, I would definitely say probably Rick Flair. You know, this you know the type of the struttons you know, alligator boot wearing, Rolex wearing, you know, kiss, and
0: kiss stealing, wheeling dealing,
1: son of a gun, Plane exactly. ride, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, yeah, yep,
2: and everybody, no matter who it is, you can go around and go woo, and everybody knew exactly who that is.
1: Yep. Oh yeah,
2: and that's if you can cement yourself in in anything as far as certain sayings, certain. The way you act, he is the guy that was able to make that happen. Um,
1: I like. I, uh, say... I always like Ric Flair's quote is you know for his longevity of his career. Uh, mm-hmm. You know he refers to himself as Space Mountain in many different inferences, but one time he said, yes. uh, "Space Mountain may not be the newest ride, but it still has the longest line." Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And you know. God bless Ric Flair. I mean that that yeah. no I mean you talk about a guy who I mean let's say he's 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 been important to the business for over forty years, like fifty we're fifty years now. Absolutely. Nobody else. Nobody else has that longevity. And I
0: agree one hundred percent with Undertaker as well because I mean it's like you were saying he never broke kayfabe. He was always true to the character. Yep. Never let anybody in per se to what was going on behind the scenes. I mean, he was the true epitome of never breaking the character.
2: Yeah. And it was, and it was hard for him to finally, finally said, okay, you know, come on in. Right. You know, it was, I think it was the most, one of the most hardest things for him to do.
0: And it's still kind of hard for him now, especially with interviews and stuff. Cause I mean, he's doing these shows all across the UK where it's uh, the one dead man show. I think it's what it's called. But mm -hmm. even then it's still hard for him to, like convey that because he, he wasn't the best talker whenever it came to pro, uh, promos and stuff like that. And he says it in interviews a bunch of times, but even now it's still hard for him to kind of tell his story. Cause he's still kind of on edge about, is this okay to talk about? Is this okay to say? Cause he's still worried about the, the myth behind the undertaker becoming watered down in a way, I guess.
2: And I would say um, probably my third person, which is, I, it might be, you know, kind of going on left field, but, you know, I think it's duly noted is Dean Malenko. You know, oh, good choice there. Okay, interesting choice. The reason why is because, you know, guys like him, him or like, um, you know, like the Hart Foundation, you know, the true hardcore guys who, you know, knows how to do holes, know how to do everything, you know, Guys like, you know, like guys like them, you really want to look at and sit down and, you know, at the tree of knowledge and say, I want to learn. And they will make you learn. He is right. one of those guys that that has like a thousand and one holds and then more. He yeah. is,
1: he's Almost like the a thousand and like six.
2: Yeah. And so to me, it's like, you know, he, he might, for some, for some guys out there, he might be like, you know, like, well, why do you pick D'Amelco? Because he's the walking encyclopedia of wrestling."
1: Yes. Yeah, you
2: know, you know, that is something. If you if you're a fan, watch him. If you're a professional wrestler, wrestler, learn from him.
1: Yeah, yeah that, no, that's an interesting choice for sure. I, I think most people who are in the know will agree that uh, D'Amelco is probably one of the most respected uh, tech in-ring technicians, you know, uh, him and And Regal, um, him and Regal and just a couple couple other people, you know, people who don't necessarily wrestle anymore, but are such, you know, profound wrestling minds that they still play a major part in the day to day of the business.
2: Right. Um, And then I guess that my next one, um, I know this sounds kind of weird, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, two for one special is uh, definitely uh, gosh it, I hopefully I don't get any weird flack for it but Terry Funk and of course Mankind aka
0: Mick Foley.
1: You're never going to get any flack from us. No, so I'm about to saying no. Mick, uh, <laughs> Mick I, 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 I go back and forth with, I mean t- Terry Funk t- is to me like, you know, you've got like some of your golden era, you know, 70s era. You know NWA guys, and you know, like I say, I put the Nature Boy at the top of things. But in my top three of the of nineteen of the of the seventies era, and then for everything he's done beyond the seventies era, in the eighties and then the nineties with ECW, uh, Terry Funk is is one of the most prolific professional wrestlers of all time. And you know, when you think about not only the matches he's had, the what he's done. You know, in the ring, and then who he's trained. I mean, the Hardy boys were trained by the Funk brothers, right? <laughs> like Edge and Christian went to you know the, to Funk you, like you know basically every, you know a lot of people's Mount Rushmores were were made by the guy were, were trained by guys like Terry Funk and his and and his brother. Yeah, and
2: for myself, like, like I said, like kind of like the second version of that is. Uh-huh. If you're a professional wrestler, ask yourself, uh, you know, if you had a say a six hour drive going to go into an event to your next show, who would you want sitting, you know, like who would be like the three people that you want in your vehicle right now, you know, past, current, you know, all that, like who would you want to soak in the knowledge of of them? For me yeah it would definitely be paul Heyman. it would be jr ross oh Um, yeah and of course it would be mick foley you know those three guys in a car ride me being the driver i would i would have a heyday with that i would ask you know paul Heyman, how do you do this promo what kind of words do you want to say you know jr would be in you know like the type of guy that's like okay who be I talking to to get the next booking? How, you know, like, how do you want me to do this and do that? And Mick Foley being like, you know, what kind of moves do you feel like you you can get away with in psychology and, and everything? That's, some of, that's something that, you know, a lot of professional wrestlers, you know, need to ask themselves. If I was in a car ride, who would be my three passengers if I was the driver?
0: A, that
1: should be a good a segment good for us to do, to do right at some there. point. You
2: know, that, that would be my three guys
1: right there. Yeah. it's uh, it's, uh that's a great, that's a great list. It's uh, I I don't, you know, different opinion, different opinions on, on Mount Rushmore. I think everybody's got their own, but that's a pretty solid lineup and uh, the the case can be made for every single one of those. Right. So yeah. And I pre- appreciate that one. You said something, uh, Interesting. I just kind of want to ask a question off of that one. Um, you know, you talk about the psychology of moves and, and you know doing certain moves and not doing certain moves. Uh, I'm always interested to, to learn, you know, from from people in the business. So, what's a move to you that's uh, that's not worth doing, and what's 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 a move that looks terrible but is not nearly as bad as it looks?
2: Uh, anything from the top rope if you're if you're going to do something from the top rope you got to ask yourself what's the cost
1: yeah. what is
2: the cost of that what is you know is it really worth say for example if is it really worth driving six hours and then jumping off a top rope and in front of what how many people you know 30 right. you know 30 20 10 people is it really worth it Yeah. You know, that's that's something that you gotta think about. Is it really worth it? Um, my one of my quick in you know, one of the injuries I ever sustained was a a massive bruise. Um, I would have been. I was more surprised it didn't get worse. But um, so the Vader bomb. Uh, if you guys are, you know if you ever watched the Vader bomb right in the corner, oh, you yeah. guys yep. basically jump off for the uh, second rail splash.
1: It's the springboard uh, yeah. belly flop is what i call it yeah yep but es-
2: essentially yep exactly um yeah i i was practicing that i did about probably gosh probably 50 times before i even got to the point where i was going to actually perform it and then i got a massive bruise from uh from the edge of my right knee all the way up to the middle of my stomach uh and it was black and blue forever uh, it took Jeez. probably about three, about three months before it finally Oof. started turning back to its normal colors. I guess you it that.
0: Um, Golly. The
2: other thing too is, is that you know another cost-effective situation is that you know what what is the safest moves and what's the most impactful moves. Um, one of the favorite, you know, one of my favorite moves I love doing. It, it's comfortable for me. It's comfortable for everybody is the bear hug slam. I enjoy that. It's it's easy, it's controllable. Um you know I, I love doing that. It's it gets the crowd going and it's a good move to you know to take and to give. Um the more tougher challenging moves, you know, being a big guy is and especially depending on who you're I guess you call it working with if that kind of puts it in perspective yeah. is you know what what is their moves if they have the same slightly move set are they bigger than me are they shorter than me yeah if they are the same height than me then it then we can play you know we can have fun with it um
1: is there a move that somebody comes to you and you guys are working out a match is there a move that you're said that you that you say no not not doing that one not going to take that bump um uh, like some, you know, somebody wants to do something on you. Know, what is there one that you've that you've, you know, put on your list of uh, uh, not happening?
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I've I had to say no a few times, and and it happens. Um, and sometimes, you know, the other, you know, the other guy that I'm working with, they've said no to me too because of the yeah. certain moves, and and that's a mutual respect. Yeah, you know, I understand. You know, for me, I understand that because. They have to trust me and I have to trust them. And I, I agree with that. I that's something you can't just, you know, walk off angry and saying, well, well, if he doesn't want to take my move, well, then I'm not working tonight. No, you got to respect it. You got to respect, you know, that's, that's understanding. I've, I've, I've been to a point where, you know, to be choosy about your moves, but also, you know, if I'm doing this week in week out you know the same set move and then how much it's going to sacrifice me you know and how impactful it's going to be on me right because if i'm jumping say for example if i was 130 pounds or something of that nature and i'm jumping off the second rope or not second rope excuse me from the top rope you know every single weekend is that is that going to be worth it to my knees within 10 years no You know, that, that's, that's something that everybody needs to understand that certain moves are okay to do. And what's, but the thing is, what's the risk? What is the risk?
1: So what's, yeah. So what's one, if you can, if you can give us one, what's a, what's a move that's on your list of not going to, not going to take it, not, not worth the damage to you to take the move. Uh
2: probably a superplex from the top rub going onto a table. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. I can see the the logic on that one. Yeah, <laughs> d- definitely
0: understandable on that one.
2: You know, you know, you know probably not dealing with a uh, like kind of like a uh, a a new jack situation, you know, like a from the rafters, you know, same bombs away. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: Well, and I guess another thing, probably in the Indies, the uh, tables are—you know—level of gimmicking is is probably uh, different from day to day. So you don't know what you know, unless you really know what what kind of table you're going through. That's definitely a a mitigated risk, but you know, to say lightly, right?
2: Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm not the type of guy that would wrestle with like light bulbs or Bob wires. Things like that. I just
1: no death, no death matches for the Gator.
2: No, absolutely not. Yeah. I, I, I can't. You know, much. Of, I think it' it's cool to watch, but yeah. not for me to participate.
0: Right. To me, I'm not a huge like death match fan. It just seems like, and I'm sure we've talked about it on the podcast before. It just seems like a spot yeah. fest a lot of times where there's no I real wrestling enter- going on.
1: It's entertaining, but it's it's entertaining like. It doesn't really stimulate your frontal cortex, so you'll watch right. it. You know, it's like I watch Beavis and ButtHead, but you know, I'm not gonna binge watch Beavis and ButtHead. You know, like I'd binge watch Breaking Bad or I'd be, you know, something right. that that has storytelling, that has psychology, that has ups and downs, and pulls on your, you know, mental you know, emotional, you know, mental heartstrings. Right. Uh, you know, good professional wrestling takes you on a full ride that looks like that stuff's entertaining and it's you know every once in a while you'll watch it but it's not what you're wanting to see all the time you can't watch straight death match you know that kind of stuff i mean even if you go back and watch old school ecw you know people want to sit there and talk about hardcore wrestling uh maybe one or two of the matches in ecw would be tables and blood and all that then you'd have your matches with uh, Malenko and Benoit and Mysterio and, you know, Shane, you know, uh, the franchise, Shane Douglas, you know, yeah. well, maybe on a pay-per-view he, you know, they, they'd pull out some gimmicks and things like that, but th- th- those guys were wrestlers. Um, so, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to kill yourself to be entertaining. In fact, uh, being a, a complete wrestler is more entertaining than being a one trick pony
0: absolutely kind of one
2: thing i absolutely agree
0: yeah kind of one of the things i, yeah, I want to shift gears on a little bit so i'm not sure if you did. you still keep up with wrestling today or have you kind of just weaned off of it a little bit with everything going on
2: um in terms of like what's going on in the news or
0: the i mean like um, just the the shows and everything with AEW and wwe like do you, do you still watch them today or have you kind of just lost interest in them with with things Um,
2: going on depending on depending on such situations you know like of course you know like when the big shows coming out you know coming out like of course like wrestlemania you know the rumble i enjoy those things you know i i do but i'm not like glued to my tv every every night you know to watch wrestling because i yeah i know the formula i it i just wish that if they were to do something That'd be a little bit more different, more eye you know eye candy or something of that nature. I think yeah, I I'd be watching it. Uh, that's why I love you know enjoying watching AEW Dark because you're seeing people from the independent wrestling have that opportunity to be on there. You know, like I said before, I've I met and worked with a few people that literally ended up in AEW, uh, ranging from Manny Lemons to Adriel Noctis and a few, of course a few other people I've actually met and they they turned out really well and I like seeing that because it gives me the opportunity of like hey I know that person or I don't know that person but that person looks awesome right yeah um, now I I'd rather watch you know the the unfortunate part is like I, I'd rather watch a, a smaller independent you know produced you know tv produced company because they'd be more willing to do more you know more i guess you call it more arc or a storyline they have more things invested in in their wrestlers versus right. you know night in night out same you know same drama fest different characters
0: right and kind of talking about that like if you had to pick between the two products which one would you say is the better currently right now between WWE and AEW
2: oh um i would say AEW uh, not just because of of what's going on with you know WWE it's just because they have they have kind of like rewritten the book a little bit of how how it should yeah you know, how things should happen nowadays is to give everybody else on the outside again opportunities. Um, WWE is kind of more of your. It has become more of like your name brand product versus like the great value product. I guess you call it that. Right. They. They kind of give that that vibe of, hey, we're just doing this every single day, but with AEW, they're giving more of a you know a slow burn storyline you want to stick with it Uh, and and plus they have of course they what's coming up is the collision and and of course they have the all in or and then of course they have the you know that pay-per-view that's coming up in in uh in england you know that i'd be very invested in
0: right yeah forbidden door coming up in i think a couple weeks or so and then all in being in uh was it wembley stadium
1: i think yeah all 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 out yeah, all out. Yeah, or is it all? In? I cannot. I, I'm getting confused now. I think is is the is the yearly pay per view now? Is it all in or is it all out? And then this is the all in at Wembley. What was the What was the original when it was just? I think movie it was promotion? all out. Was it all in or all out? I think it was all out. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so then that would be A C S. So it would be all out at Wembley. Right. And then uh yeah, all in is the is the pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, that makes me uh, but it it brings me to my next question. So yeah, AEW, I think we're pretty much in agreement with you. We feel like they've got a really a, a really great evolving product with, you know, really a fantastic wrestlers. Right. And it allows for more creativity on the wrestler side. But I think both where Cody and I probably get a little bit more frustrated is with some of the storytelling or lack thereof for a lot of like, some characters have very defined stories, but I would say that the majority in AEW still, they haven't figured out how to tell like tiered story, you know, where you have a major story, you have minor stories, you know, you have like side stories, you know, that gives everybody something that makes matches mean more. But to ask that, I got to ask this question, um, CM Punk or the elite, which side do you take?
2: Oh um Hopefully nobody uh, rings me. <laughs> hopefully nobody <laughs> rings me for it, but probably the elite. Uh nothing against uh you know CM Punk. I, I, I really enjoy his work. It's 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 interesting. Uh mm-hmm. his mic work if I can put like say the two thousand six version of CM Punk in today's world, yeah, he is still be relevant. You know, it would still be very relevant to what it is but the problem is is that the behind the scenes thing versus what happens in the ring is is two different entities and are I like elite? how I, I like how you know the elite is where they originally started to how they evolved now is so different you know and I, I like how they how they are now it's kind of like they finally found themselves
1: very very interesting take yeah uh well and kind of
0: to sum up the questions for what i had for like current wrestling in today's uh, era who would you if you had to pick one or maybe two people who do you see currently between like the major products that are that you would consider the top guys in the business right now uh with wwe right now i would say um
2: i know this is kind of a go-to moment but uh probably roman reigns with the whole entire storyline with the uh with the bloodline it's absolutely phenomenal it is it's been a slow burn but it's been a a major there's some points where it's been a major payoff it's been excellent for that um i would say you know their whole entire line it's perfect um I do like how, with AEW, gosh, because my my thing is, it's like they there's never been re- to me it, ever, ever since Cody left. There hasn't been really a to not, in my opinion, there hasn't been really a a real top guy. Um, yeah. I guess the only person that is currently I would have to put in there was is
1: MJF. Agreed. Um. Yeah, you got you got you got someone steering the ship, but it's the it's the it's the pirate who took over the ship, not the actual captain.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you know, especially with his his mic skills and everything, he you know the heel work is is awesome. Um, now the thing is, is that if he was put back into the actual independent circuit, will he be able to do that? not so much because certain, certain wrestling companies will not allow him to do certain things. And, and I think, I think where he's at currently, it works for him. Um, if he was ever to go into WWE, no, absolutely not. They would, they would put, they would put, you know, put the brakes on a lot of things that he would be doing right now.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Like I every time I hear him say the bidding war of twenty twenty four, I go, buddy. If you go to WWE, consider yourself relegated to the mid card, and exactly you'll never you'll never be as over again.
0: You'll pretty uh, much become another Miz.
1: Because exactly. and, and truth be told, like I mean, I I even think that you know you can tell that Tony Khan did was not ready to like give MJF full reigns until the brawl out and you lose, you know, you lose the elite temporarily, you lose CM Punk temporarily. You've got a cluster in your back on your back office. At, at that point, it seems like, okay, well, who am I? Who's going to be my champion? Who's going to be my, you know, who's going to be my, my talking piece uh, right now while all this stuff's going on. And you had MJF, you know, he was, he was, he was doing some heel work, but like, How they've let him, you know, they've released the reins on him and they've let him go full bore ever since All Out. Um,
0: And it's been perfect for him.
1: And it's been great. And what's hilarious now is I love watching the uh, post-pay-per-view interviews because,
0: you know, you had
1: the legitimate reactions of, you know, when CM Punk was going off, you had Tony sitting there basically like – I mean, his eyes were bugged out.
0: Yeah, just bug eyed. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't want to be here right now.
1: He, I mean, like, he, <laughs> I, mean, he, he, I mean, it was the, the most uncomfortable a human being could be silently. <laughs> th- there he was. And so now it's like they make fun of it. It, it, it seems like they, they're, they're playing with it every time because in these last two, you know, uh, post media scrum things that they do where, you know, MJF goes off. You've got Tony Khan doing the exact same thing that he did with CM Punk, where he's just like, "Oh my word, I can't believe they're saying this," and I'm it, sitting right here, like sitting there, <laughs> just sitting
0: there munching on a pickle casually, and then just going off on everybody and everything.
1: <laughs> it's perfect too. I, I, yeah, uh, that's I, how I like
2: it. And the only my only drawback about Tony Khan, and I, yeah, I, I like him a lot because he's he's changed the business. That's that is. A we'll give, we'll,
1: we will. I, I've been a big uh, criticizer, also endorser, <laughs> but I, I I, like to say that I'm an equal opportunity uh, offender, uh, but I just am nuanced. But yes, no, we, we, we have done quite a bit of criticizing of Tony Khan. So don't, don't, don't feel like John more so than
0: me. Cause if you go back and listen to like previous episodes, there's always a hot take on Tony Khan at some point.
1: Oh, Cody's, just, Cody's just, a, you know, a, a beam of sunshine and on a, you know, on a bright day. Okay. And I'm just an old, I'm an old miser who, you know, a grizzled <laughs> old fan with nothing better to do, but witch and moan.
2: My, yeah. My only thing is, is that with Tony Khan is, is that they don't need to, you know, I guess advertise saying Oh, Tony Khan's going to make a major announcement next week on Wednesday.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You
2: know, just, just do it. Just go yeah. out there unexpectedly. It'll make the you know it'll make the crowd question, saying, "What's going on?" Same thing with um with yeah you know, with uh, WWE.
1: Every time the Triple H w- comes out, yeah, you know, he would always yeah, come out and WWE. address the crowd, but they don't advertise him. He just does it.
2: Yeah, and it would be if it is if it's something that's out in the left field. Yeah, you know, just do it. For me, it's like when um I I know this sounds a little weird, but like. When Vince had to in quotations, temporary leave, uh, and things changed really quickly, that was that was needed. You know, I, I much as I like Vince, but I feel Vince's time needs to be done. You know, it it's it Is done. It needs to be done. Um it, it, he did excellent for the world of wrestling. He put things on the map, he set the bar really high. Yes. And I feel that you know, that Triple H is the perfect guy to take over the reins.
1: Agree, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, we love eighties and nineties Vince, and maybe even to a certain degree early two thousands Vince, but somewhere uh, you know, mid two thousands to now Vince, it's it's been a it's been a you know from from I would say from about two thousand and four two thousand and five ish, you know I've tolerated Vince McMahon out of respect for. What he's done for the business, right? But it's it's time to go.
0: It's time to to it's time to bid him farewell. Give him the proper send off. It's time
1: to it's time to step away from something before you tarnish your legacy. And to say he's already tarnished his legacy with just the the you know the stuff that's gone on that he had to step down for for the first place, and his mustache that tarnishes his legacy. it makes him look like a dirty '70s porn star. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, to me, he he reminds me of like the way older version of uh, Walt Disney. You know, if Walt yeah, Disney didn't yeah. die. <laughs> like I'm still selling you, you know, the overly expensive Dole Whip, but you're going to take it.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a wonderful memory for you and your family i <laughs> oh, will be six thousand dollars for you. Yeah. yeah I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll remember it for the next ten years as I'm paying it off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, no, we yeah we we as as wrestling fans, we're we're typical. We're the typical wrestling fans. We love and hate it equally at the same time. We love WWE and we hate it. We love w- AEW and we hate it. But at the end of the day, I think we're we can all agree that uh, we're very excited for what AEW is able to bring to the table and you know hopefully continuing to grow um the, you know i think the the booking has gotten tremendously better over the last uh six months with aew um not really sure what to chalk that up to um i've heard something in the dirt sheets recently that uh tony Khan has actually uh that daniel bryan has been doing a lot of the the creative tweaking and and some stuff there so if that's the case, you know, it makes sense with Daniel coming in and everything going on there. But, uh, yeah, no, AEW is definitely, the like you said, the formula. You know, you get used to watching professional wrestling. You learn the formula. AEW, at least, even if we don't like it, even if it doesn't make sense, it, it doesn't follow the formula. So it's it's more engaging to watch.
0: Right. Exactly.
2: Exactly. It's, it's, like I said, it's just like when you go, you know, if you go watch your favorite uh, music band, okay if you you know the songs by heart you but if you continuously to watch the same concert over and over and they play the exact same songs you, you get kind of bored with it yeah. and then next thing you know like say the next year they come out with a brand new set then it's like oh yeah this is awesome
1: Exactly. yeah even if you don't necessarily love the new album as much as the other albums it's, it's just you know a little variety is is always well appreciated
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's like even independent wrestling. You know, that's why I love about it is that you can go, especially here in the great state of Florida, you can go down south. say, Say, for example, to Orlando, Tampa, and you'll see wrestlers there that you've never heard of. And then you go up north towards like Jacksonville, you know, Tallahassee, Panama City, and you'll see a completely different set of wrestlers. And that to me makes it perfect around here to enjoy, to, you know, to love the business, you know, and for where I was at, you know, coming from, you know, again, coming from Idaho, there was a term out there that it's the wrestling, it's the wrestling that I, or it's Idaho that wrestling for God or something of that nature. Basically, wrestling was dead. There was, there was nothing, no existence out there until the company I worked for, which was, you know, called Wrestle Club, Idaho Wrestle Club. And now you have guys out there that is, you know, the lost soul Garaby. You have, you know, the outlaw, Rusty Living. And, of course, you know, you have Jonathan Moreau. You have Brad Zane, Project Mayhem, Damian Black, you know. Which you know, Cali's best, Jay Cruz. You know, those guys are the innovators of Idaho wrestling. They're you know, and I was part of that. I I absolutely love to you know, be part of the I guess the original crew, the first startup. You know, he had Marcus the King Anderson out there. You know, and of course, you know, Ajo Noctis. We were the founding. I guess you call it the founding fathers of. You know, Idaho Wrestling. And then finally, you know, they're at a point where they're doing more shows. At the time when I first started wrestling out there and working for that company, we were working close, but of course, this is before, this is pre COVID. We were working uh, at least 42 weeks out of the 52 weeks out of the year. And wow, there was time, yeah, we were, there was times where we we're doing two shows every weekend at two different events. You know, one town, we'll do one, and then pack up everything. Next day, right back at it again.
0: And start it all over. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And we had two different, you know, we had, we were not working, you know, the same location. We were everywhere. Um, one of the coolest things I ever had as far as the opportunity, I don't know if you guys have uh, heard this story or anything like that, but uh, basically... We actually got to wrestle in front of the state capitol of Idaho uh during the middle of winter. And oh wow. Yeah, they, they have a thing up there. It's called the Idaho Potato Drop. And they have this big potato looking thing, uh kind of like the New Year's Eve. And we wrestled right in front of it, in front of the state capitol, in front of that, and been on the news, everything. And it's the one of the most wildest but yet Strangest things I ever done. Um, <laughs> my again one of the very first matches I ever had. Uh, I did a what's called a hearse match. You know the you know the type of car that carries the caskets. We we did a hearse match in the baseball field, in a small little town.
0: Oh wow! And, um,
2: wrestled in a uh, a military uh, hangar in front of a crowd for their military days. Uh, right there, like on the air, you know, right there on the airport, and they're one of the military hangars. Got to do that. Got to wrestle in the, on an Air Force base, um, which you know there are two. The, one was like a the Mountain Home Air Force Base for for the uh for the military there, and then the separate for Gowan Field, which was in Boise. Um, I got I actually got to wrestle in in Oregon. I got to wrestle in Utah. And especially in Utah, they have a company out there. It's called Devotion Championship Wrestling. The, those guys, you know, it's run by Manny Lemons. And he'll bring in uh, guys from, you know, formerly from WWE, AEW. And they do a bunch of classes. And And it was a major opportunity to have that. And, and for both companies like that, I, I absolutely thank them for the bottom of my heart to give me that opportunity to let me be in their ring. And, and show them what I can do. And now being down here in Florida, yeah, you know, I you know, being with like Freedom Force Wrestling, that is a major opportunity. Yeah, you know, and I thank them every single day for for allowing me to be in their their locker room.
0: Right. And I've been able to take in a few shows from Freedom Force Wrestling and get to meet you and some of the other guys there along with Bill. And I absolutely Shout out enjoy it. We love you, Bill. Yes. Thank you, Bill, for coming on the podcast with us. Uh, I just am so thankful that we have those kind of promotions that are family-based and are not too, like, based based on death-type matches and stuff like that, but just to be able to go and bring families and to be able to enjoy professional wrestling because a lot of families don't really like to take their kids to professional wrestling because they associate it with that kind of stuff to where it's too violent or too gory or so much blood going on and everything, but th- that's not what professional wrestling is. And I'm so thankful for freedom force and for all these other different promotions, like hope championship wrestling. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few others, but I'm just thankful that we have those type of promotions to where you can enjoy professional wrestling, but not be afraid for what's going to happen or to see something that you're not too comfortable with.
2: Exactly, and and I, I understand that you know there's companies out there that will have their own version of what wrestling is, and you know for me, you know being with Freedom for Wrestling, I I like to have a good clean fun, you know I I, I personally enjoy it that way, um, yeah you know, I I get it you know, not every wrestling company will you know they'll offer something, and not everybody will be a green to what they want you know what it, you know it's kind of like watching a movie do you want to go see a pg-13 or a rated g film or do you want to go watch a, a rated r film right you have that choice you know as a wrestling fan you have that choice and it, and it's nice you know and if they advertise it as such that's fine you, you know as a wrestling fan if you want to take your family and watch a um you know a, a rated g film yeah you have that choice and i you know for me i leave it up to you know to them what you know what do they want to expose their children to you know it's the parent's choice on that and for me it's the same thing you know being a, a wrestler i want to be associated with certain wrestling companies that you know what does it affect me personally not physically you know body-wise that's another thing but what you know Where do I want to go and who do I want to associate with? You know, that's something you you, kind of have to be choosy about because if there was something that you did or something that, you know, that happened to you, then you kind of have to carry that and you have to, you know, you have to answer some questions and for me to go out there and be like, yeah, I worked with this company and this company and they're like, oh, you're, you're with that company. And I'm like, yeah. hmm." Are you going to do that here? No. Then how can they trust?
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, well, whether J- it be what, yeah, whether it be,
2: a, uh, you know, like a, a rated G or a rated R type of a
0: wrestling company, I guess if we call it that. Right. Well, James, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us to kind of close it out. We thought we'd have a little bit of fun with some rapid fire questions. So I'm just going to, Ask you a few questions, and you just say the first thing that pops into your mind, and then we'll kind of just close it out from there, and just have a little bit of fun to end it out. How do you? How's that sound? That sounds amazing. All righty. So, first one right out the gate, favorite wrestler. Uh, Mick Foley. All right. Least favorite wrestler. Uh, um, <laughs> I uh, Don't say <laughs> <the> clown. <laughs>
2: don't okay. Know. Good. Good one. Uh, Actually, uh, actually, uh, Chris uh, Benoit. Oh,
0: okay. All right, I got you. Understandable. Uh, yep. Uh favorite move to perform.
2: Um uh front body slam.
0: All right. Uh go-to comfort meal. Hamburgers. Ooh, good choice. Uh favorite entrance theme song.
2: Um Undertakers.
0: Yeah, good well which well which one?
2: uh the classic the uh, first version
0: okay nice uh most underrated wrestler uh I would say
2: most underrated wrestler yes um
0: Dustin Rhodes ooh okay interesting choice uh weirdest song in your playlist weird out okay <laughs> I'll take it and finally, dream opponent. Um, I would, I would say,
2: can it be a dead or alive?
0: Dead or alive, either one. Uh, Dusty Rhodes. Oh, a good one, good one. My dad's a huge Dusty fan, and I've grown up watching a lot of stuff with Dusty because he exposed me to a lot of his uh, promos. I think he's got some of the best promos to go back and watch, especially as uh, the midnight rider. Oh yeah. Love and
2: just that you know, he might not be the most physical looking person, but the charisma.
0: Oh yeah.
1: He knew how to draw if, the I crowd in. Of Yeah. He didn't in, have in to have a
0: a, a match. Yeah, he didn't have to have that bodybuilder physique. Just his charisma and persona alone was enough to draw you in.
2: And going back on the hamburger situation, now you got me thinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be a, a double patties with uh, applewood bacon with American cheese, uh, lettuce, tomato, onion, uh, mustard, and uh, ketchup, of course, uh, on a sesame seed bun.
0: I'm texting the wife right now and being like, okay, we're going to get burgers th- tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now you got me hungry now. But man, like I said, thank you so much for joining on the podcast with us. Where can people find you on social media?
2: Uh, of course, uh, I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, of course, it'll be James the Gator Graham. Uh, if you're on Instagram, it'll be James underscore the Gator underscore Graham. Um, of course, I have a couple of shows coming up. Uh, uh, I'll be with the Broken Bones Wrestling. Uh, that would be June 18th in Valdosa, uh, Georgia. And of course, uh, I'll be with the Freedom Force Wrestling here in the next couple months when they get back from their little break and, and then be right back at it.
0: Awesome, man. Like I said, thank you so much for joining on the podcast. And like always, guys, you can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram, Five Star Drivers Podcast. Thank you for listening. Keep it five stars.